Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 25. Genesis 25. Hallelujah. It's good to be in church on a Wednesday night. Hallelujah. We are going to start with verse 29. Genesis chapter 25. And um, I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then I'll give you a little background, catch you up to where we're at. Uh, Verse 29 says, Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, Sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. Then he ate and drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Jacob and Esau are two twin brothers. They're twin brothers. They were born to Isaac and Rebekah. You may know Isaac. He's the son of Abraham, the son that was promised to Abraham. Abraham, the father of many nations, couldn't have children for a super long time. And when he was super old and beyond uh, years of childbirth or childbearing, him and his wife had Isaac. And Isaac married Rebekah. And she, too, was barren. She couldn't have children. But Isaac prayed and said, God, you've got to do something about this. You're going to have to fix this. And so God gave Rebekah two children, Jacob and Esau. Now, Esau is the oldest. Even though they're twins, we still have an oldest because he came out first. Therefore, he is the firstborn. Okay? And back in these traditions, the firstborn, that was very important. They got what was called a birthright. That was... Uh, you know, you were headship, you got first of everything, and you also got double portion of the blessing or double portion of the inheritance because of this birth. So this is very important. This is very valuable, okay? Uh, Jacob comes out, and when he was born second, he was grabbing the heel of Esau. This is in the previous chapter, or in, in the, the previous reading in chapter 29. And so, uh, Esau simply just means hairy. Uh, that's why you don't ever hear anybody called Esau anymore. We hear a lot of Jacobs, but you don't hear a lot of Esau's. Go figure. Uh, because it just simply means hairy. But Jacob's name, Jacob's name means deceiver. Now, Esau was a hard worker. He, he was a hunter. He would go out and he'd kill his own food and and, and, and make his own food and this type of thing. And, and he was a hard worker. He was one that went out and got his. Okay? But Jacob, the word Jacob means deceiver. And Jacob made a living off of trickery. Off of tricking people out of stuff. And so when you're a trickster or when you are a deceiver, you have to look for vulnerability. People don't just get tricked all the time. You have to find a place of vulnerability. You've got to get them vulnerable. You've got to get them in a place 
where they're willing to give something up or lose something. So we got Jacob, who's the trickster, and we got Esau, who's the hunter, and so he's become weary, and now he's come in from one of his trips. He's tired, he's weary, and Jacob says, I'm going to use this to my benefit because I've got something right now that he wants. Even though this is a guy that could go get this for himself. This is a guy that can go kill for himself. This is a guy that can go hunt for himself. But he's hungry, he's tired, he's weary, and he wants what I have. And so Jacob, the deceiver, says, okay, I want your birthright. I want what you have. You've got something that is valuable and is of value to me, and so I'm going to trick you into giving it up because I have something that as of right now is valuable and important to you. By the way, this message is on version. If you have the version app or uh, you know whatever, you can follow along with where we're going. So we have Jacob the deceiver, we have Esau the hard worker, the hunter, and Esau comes in from one of his trips, he's tired, Jacob has just made some food, great timing, and he says, I've got something you want, you're tired, you're weary, you're hungry, you've got something I want. The title, my, my, the title of this message today is, Not a Fair Trade. Not a fair trade. Did anybody as a kid make unfair trades, by the way? Did anyone trade away your Noah Ryan card for somebody that nobody knows because they tricked you? Or they said, I got three cards. I don't know who they are, but you got this one good one, and you think three is better than one. So uh, That's me, okay? I, I did that. I, I, traded, uh, I, I traded gummies for crackers. I was always trying to trade off my rice cakes for something, but nobody, nobody would ever take my rice cakes. Anyone remember rice cakes? Those styrofoam round things? Yeah, it's like packing peanuts all smushed together in a, and then flattened down is what a rice cake is. Not a fair trade. Jacob finds Esau in a vulnerable position. And when you become deceived, you will give up something valuable for something temporary. When you become deceived, you will give up something valuable for something terrible, for something temporary, for something terrible. It is terrible. (laughs) It is terrible. It's very terrible. When you become deceived, it's on the screen. Don't, don't, don't listen to me. Just, just read the screen. When you become deceived, you will give up something valuable for something temporary. This story is a picture of how the devil operates today. In fact, it's how he has always operated. The devil is known as the deceiver. He operates in deception. And so I want to talk to you tonight about how to stay away from deception, how to stay away from trickery and being tricked or conned into how the devil operates. Because even though the devil uh, is stupid, he knows what he's doing. He's stupid in the fact that he doesn't really know what he's getting into, 
but he knows what he's doing, that he doesn't just come up to you and say, hey, you want, you, you're going to do this. No, he tricks you. He comes in through the back door, and he's been doing this from the beginning. We see in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, says, Now the serpent was more cunning, that means tricky, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. This is the very first statement in the entire Bible about Satan. That ought to tip us off to something. That ought to let us know that, hey, he's tricky. He's going to con his way in. He's going to try to deceive you. He's going to try to trick you. He's going to try to find you in a vulnerable position. Now, when you get deceived, you always give something up. There's always something that's given up when you become deceived. You give, you give away something. And we know here in Genesis chapter 3 that Adam and Eve gave up something for something temporary. They gave up something valuable. What was that? Authority. The kingdom authority. The kingdom delegated power that God gave to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. They handed it over. The devil didn't steal it. He didn't, you know, grab it out of their hands. He didn't snatch it away. And they said, no, don't take that. No, they said, here you go. Why? For the knowledge of good and evil. Isn't it interesting that God didn't want Adam and Eve to know everything? And isn't that the way people are still today? We got to know everything. Always got to be in the know. I got to know what's going on. I got to know who's doing what. I got to know where they're going. I got to know what they're doing. Even God didn't want you to know everything. And so that moment of I've got something you want and you've got something I want caused Adam and Eve to give up and lose something valuable for the sake of something temporary. To bite a piece of fruit off of a tree that God said, do not eat. This story of Jacob and Esau is a picture, is, is a representation of how the devil operates in each of our lives every single day. He's a deceiver. He's tricky. He's cunning. And we have something valuable that the devil wants to trade you something temporary for. When we don't place proper value on something, we can be tricked into giving it up. See, sometimes we don't know what we have, right? It's like when you trade away that card that you don't really know what you have. Everybody? Gracie Matthews. Go back to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. The very last verse, verse 34, I want to read it to you in the Amplified. I want to read it to you in the Amplified version. Look what it says here. It says, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, and he ate and drank and rose up and went his way. Look, I mean, it, it, it's so quick. He took in, drank, and then left. He gave up something permanent 
for something temporary. This wasn't like, I will, for the rest of your life, give you stew. This was, in this moment, I will give you stew. And tomorrow, you're back to having to come to me for more. And right here, it says, thus Esau scorned his birthright as beneath his notice. Invaluable. Uh, The word um, in the New King James says despise. This word despise means this, to disesteem. So to esteem something is to place a high value on. To disesteem is to devalue or place no value on, right? Not placing proper priority or value on something. It means to regard with disgust or contempt. That means he saw his birthright as this isn't going to help me now, so I need something that's going to help me now. So I'm willing to give up something that won't help me now for something that will help me now, but tomorrow I'm going to be right back in hurt. See, this is why the devil operates through addiction. Have you ever noticed that nothing of God is addictive? Anybody addicted to reading their Bible? I mean, I tried to put it down. I just couldn't put it down, man. I just... Anybody addicted to prayer? Anybody addicted to going to church? I remember, you know, when I was a kid, uh, there was um, a group who at DC Talk. DC Talk. No, it was Carmen. Carmen actually did it. Carmen had a song called Addicted to Jesus. A to J. The music video, he did a little A to J. Go watch it. YouTube. You can find it. Carmen's out there. If you don't know who I'm talking about, go YouTube it. There's a slick back hair, the Italian stallion. Had it going on. Addicted to Jesus. No, God is not addicted. He doesn't operate by getting, by, by getting you stuck in something that you have to keep coming back to over and over, even against your own will. Most people that are addicted to something don't want to be addicted to it. But God operates through love, meaning you have to come back. It means you've got to discipline yourself to come back. You want to discipline yourself to be in the Word and discipline yourself to pray and discipline yourself to be in church and discipline yourself to be around the wrong people. You know, people that, don't, that, that are addicted to being around uh, the wrong people, they just end up there. They don't have to think about it. But to get around the right people, you have to be intentional and disciplined and say, I'm not going to be around you. You never just find yourself in a group of awesome people. You have to go find them. You have to go search for them. You have to be intentional about, I'm going to hang out with these people. Because everything the devil does is addictive. You want to give me some M&M's? What you got for me? He's over here offering me M&M's in the middle of my message. You're tempting me. You're deceiving me. You're tricking me. Revelation chapter 12. Flip to the other end of the book. Revelation chapter 12. He's going to put it right under my face. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. You realize he's not leaving anybody out. There's no exception to the rule. He is the deceiver, and he wants to deceive you, and you, and you, and you. He wants to deceive every single person. 
on the planet. He operates by deception. It says he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Watch this. And they overcame him. How do you overcome the deceiver? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. What's that? Proper priority. Proper value. See, if you value the wrong thing, you enter into deception. If you love your life, you will be deceived. If you love the things of this world, you will be deceived. If you go after the things that the enemy has to offer you, you will be deceived. And you will give up something. You never take on something of the enemy without giving something up. Deception always causes you to give up something. Deception always causes you to give up something. And this is how the enemy operates. You've got to understand that the enemy, the, Satan isn't just concerned with taking you out. He's concerned with taking something away. You have something he wants. Does anyone remember what Satan went to God and tried to get him to do? Come below him. So the second he sees Adam and Eve in the garden, who were created in the image of God, he says this. I may not get God, but they're created just like God, and they've got the same thing that he has. They've got authority, and if I can get them to bow down to me, it'll be the same. He's operating by deception. And we know that he brings up the lies. Did God surely say you would not die? What's he doing? He's operating in trickery. Now, how do we overcome this deception. How do we get around the deceiver? Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. The enemy is still using the same tactics. Jacob in this story is the representation of the deceiver, Satan. His very name means deceiver. And the same thing, he's coming and he's finding you at your most vulnerable point. He doesn't tempt you with sickness and disease when you're healed and you feel fine. He tempts you with sickness and disease and tries to take something away from you, tries to hand, get you to hand over your authority when you're sick, when you're vulnerable, when you're weary, when you're tired. He doesn't tempt you in your marriage when everything's going great and you've just come off the greatest date ever and, and someone's watching your kids and you're just having a great night together. No, he attacks you in your marriage when you're arguing and you're fighting and you're vulnerable. He doesn't attack you in your job and try to get you to operate uh, incorrectly as an employee or as an employer when you're happy and you've just got the greatest job on the face of the planet when you first start. Anybody ever been uh, uh, attacked with their, with, with their position and employment when you first got the job? No, you're excited. I mean, you get up early. You, you show up to work early. I mean, you're, you're doing all this stuff. I mean, orientation's going on. You're just excited about having this new job. No, he attacks you when you're weary and you're tired. And you're tired of the coworkers that are always cussing at you. And you're tired of the boss that's always overlooking you and not giving you favor. And you're tired of the company that will never promote you and give you the, 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 the wages that you feel you're worth. And that's when he comes and says, see, they, they don't care about you. They don't love you. They, you, you need to find another job. You, you talk about them the way they're talking about you. You, you just turn your back on them. He's looking for us 
when we get into a vulnerable position. So we've got to figure out how to stay out of this position of vulnerability. Mark chapter 4, verse 24, the New King James says it this way. He said to them, take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Everyone say, pay attention. Pay attention. Attention is how we stay out of deception. Attention is how you stay out of deception. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Look at it in the Amplified. It makes it so clear. In the Amplified, he says, and he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. Attention fights deception. The value you have is determined by the attention you give. The value you have is determined by the attention you give. If you value something, you give attention to it. If you value your job, you give attention to it. If you, if you value your family, you give attention to it. If you value God's word, you give attention to it. Now, without going back there, you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and you find out that Eve didn't quite give the amount of attention to God's word that she should have. Number one, we know this because she fell into the words of Satan rather than staying true to the words of God. The devil cannot get you off if you know and understand God's word. That's the bottom line, guys. The devil is picking off believers every single day that do not know his word. Your word is your number one, God's word is your number one defense against the attack of the enemy. Period. Show me any tool that God gave Adam and Eve in the garden to fight off the devil. He didn't give them a backhoe. He didn't give them a shovel. He didn't give them an axe. He didn't give them a sword. He didn't give them a gun. Now, most people would say, well, he didn't give them anything. He did. He gave them one thing, his word. If they would have honored his word, we'd all be here today. Honoring God's word, how? By paying attention, giving attention to it. What's that mean? Look in at it. Because the measure that I put in is the measure I get back. The devil is looking for people that are wordless. That are wordless. He's hoping that he can come to you and deceive you in an area that you don't know God's word in. And that's why I've always said this from day one. We've been saying this. Any area that I fail to teach or preach in, in the word, is an area I can expect you to fail. That's why Paul said, I, I, I don't repent for giving the whole counsel of God's word, all of it. Because any area that I 
feel too uncomfortable to preach or uh, don't, wanna, don't really want to go down that road or it might offend somebody or I don't know how they're going to take it is an area that I can expect you. If I don't teach and preach on money and finances according to the Bible, then you will fail in your, in your finances. If I don't preach and teach on your marriage and how to have a godly marriage, then you will fail in your marriage. If I don't preach and teach uh, on, on how to raise your kids, parent your kids properly, then you will fail as, as parents. Unless you get that word somewhere else. But as a responsibility of a pastor, that is what I'm supposed to do, to feed, grow the flock. And so that's my responsibility. Because knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And so the enemy is trying to operate in deception. He, he, Jacob finds Esau in a vulnerable place. A place where he's so tired and so weary that he's willing to give up something valuable for something temporary. And the enemy is doing the same thing. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I told you that the enemy is still operating the same way. And in Matthew chapter 4, the devil tries to get Jesus the same way he got Adam and Eve. Look at verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Afterward, he was hungry. So what do you think the devil's going to try to tempt Jesus with when he's hungry, when he's vulnerable? Verse 3. And when the tempter, the tempter, came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You notice that he didn't come to him on day one. He came to him on day 40. After he's spent, after he's tired, after he's weary. Afterward, he became hungry, and now he says, All right, I've got you where I want you. I've got a proposition. I have an unfair trade to bring to you. It's not a fair trade. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, notice that he's just setting himself up here. Jesus is setting himself up for every other temptation that could come. Because if I live according to the word of God, you can't tempt me with anything else from here on out. And yet the devil still tries two more times. The devil took him up to a, into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written, Again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you. I will give. I've got a proposition for you. Want to trade? I've got something for you. I will give you uh, all these things if you fall down and worship me. 
I will give you something temporary if you give me something back. Now, see, the problem is, is we don't value, this might sound weird, but give me a minute. This might, uh, we don't value God's word the way the devil values God's word. Now, when I say value, I I don't mean that he's, you know, back in his prayer closet somewhere confessing the word over himself. I mean that he knows how powerful the word is in your life. And he, if he can get you to come off of it, he can attack. And he can deceive. And he can trick. But we see here that Jesus placed value on God's word. Jesus responds the way Adam and Eve should have responded. Adam and Eve should have said, no, 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 no. we are only going to live according to the word of God. We only live. We, we don't live by fruit. We live off of the word of God. And he said, he said, it is written, it has been spoken. Do not eat of that tree, lest you will surely die. So we ain't touching it. And see, this has got to be our response. When the devil comes as a deceiver, when he comes to trick you and to, to, to find you in a vulnerable place, you have to stay on God's word. We have to be people that value God's word. And if you value God's word, you'll give attention to God's word. And if you'll give attention to God's word, then you'll stand on God's word. And if you'll stand on God's word, you won't come off of God's word. And if you won't come off God's word, the devil cannot touch. No matter what kind of symptoms you're seeing, you stand on God's word and you know healing is mine in the name of Jesus. By his stripes, I have been healed. I was healed, past tense. That healing is mine. You stand on the word. You don't allow the the devil to get you off. Well, you know, maybe he's trying to teach me something. Maybe he's trying to show me something. Maybe, Maybe this is from God. No, we stand on God's word. And we don't allow deception and trickery to show up to show up because when we do, we become defeated. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is a verse about priority. Look at how the message puts it. The message translation says, Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provision. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Steep yourself. Get it, get it in there. Get in the word and get the word in you. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's the great thing. Sin always takes something. But righteousness always adds something. Sin will always take something from you. When Esau fell into that deception, he lost something that day. But every time you stand on God's word, 
something is added. Something is added. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He always comes to take. The devil, the devil never shows up to give you something. Now, the Bible tells us that sin is fun for a while, but it's temporary. And you've just given up something valuable for something temporary. You just gave up something that God gave you to be the most valuable, most important thing in your life. And you handed it over for something that can only fulfill today. And tomorrow you're going to have to come back to it and get it again. And get it again. And get it again. Sin always takes. Righteousness always adds. Look at this in Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice with sin, he says wages. But life is a gift. What's the difference? Wages you have to work for. The gift is just added. The gift, you don't have to work for that. You don't have to put anything forth for that. It will be added unto you. Death takes, but life gives. The worship team could come. Very simple message, but you've got to know how the devil operates. He's operated this way since... Genesis chapter 3. If he would try to tempt Jesus, the Son of God, what makes you think he wouldn't try to do the same to you? And guys, you have the same weapons, the same tools, the same resource that Jesus had in that wilderness. When you become weary, when you become tired, that's not a time to give up. Say, don't give up. Say, I won't give up. See, we are giving up. We're not just losing. We're giving something up. You're handing something over. The very weapon, the very tool that God has given you to defeat him, you've just handed it over and said, here you go. Sure, he's tricky. You know, you're not so tricky when you know the trick. I just made you aware of what the trick is. I just showed you how he works. Now you know when you get tired. Now you know when you're angry at your spouse. Now you know when there's no money in the account. Now you know when the symptoms are showing up. Now you know when the kids aren't acting right. Now you know when everything seems to be falling apart. Now you know when the job isn't going the way you want. That's when the deceiver is going to show up. And he's going to trick you and deceive you and talk you out of the very blessing that God has already promised for you. He's already declared it. His promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So we stand on the word and we say, no, I'm not giving up this ground. I do not live by bread alone. I do not live by money in the bank. I do not live by 
love being expressed all the time. I do not live by having the perfect God. I live on the Word of God. You can't deceive me. I may be vulnerable, but I'm not giving in. And I'm not giving up. You've got something valuable. You've got something worth something. And if you don't know it, the devil sure does. But we're not going to give it up, are we? We're not going to give it up. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us such a great resource, such a great tool, such a great weapon. Your word. Father, forgive us for not giving the proper attention, the proper devotion, the proper dedication to your word. Forgive us for not uh, 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 wanting to understand with clarity the scriptures that you have promised, the blessings that you have given us, Father. I thank you tonight that we put up a barricade, a wall that will fight off the deceiver. We will no longer live deceived. We'll no longer uh, operate in fear and anxiety. We will no longer allow the deceiver to come in. But we give value to your word. We stand on your word. We desire to know your word. And when we do, the truth will set us free. Father, we will not give up something valuable for something temporary. We won't fall away. We will not be deceived. We thank you, Father, that your word always wins. Your word always wins. We take on the heart of David. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Father, I thank you tonight for every person in this room. As we dedicate and commit ourselves to know your word, to understand your word, to be a lover of your word. Father, I thank you that we will see your word set us free from the deception of the enemy. The blinders that have been on our eyes, they come off. We see clearly your word. We see clearly your promises because we want to know truth. We don't want to know an idea. We don't want to know an opinion. We want to know truth. And I thank you, Father, that we will operate and walk in victory, perpetual victory in our lives because we love your Lord. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.